Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This episode is brought to you by One United Bank, America's largest Black-owned bank and first Black internet bank. We're thankful for our incredible partnership with One United Bank over the last year and continue to be invigorated by their charge to make Black history now. Through our spending, our impact, our activism, and our legacy. This is more than a moment, it's a movement. With the right mindset and actions, we can be financially woke. And when we unite the power of our dollars, there's no limit to what we can do. One United believes that money is power and we can use it to build wealth in the Black community, not only for today, but for the future as well. Move your money and bank Black with One United Bank today, visit OneUnited.com to learn more. Hey, 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 it's Courtney. Joy Marie here, and we are back with a new episode of Job Logs. Candid career conversations with your group chat girlfriends. Coming up, it's the long-awaited part two of our series on debt and the finale of our financial literacy episodes with One United Bank. Yes, it's been a great partnership with One United Bank. And we're ending things talking to financial behaviorist Jaquette M. Timmons. She's going to tell us about the human side of money and how to take a more holistic approach to our finances, taking into account our emotional well-being as much as the dollars and cents of things. Yeah, so important. But first, you guys know we like to start every episode with a clock in. It's a segment of the show where we check in on each other, catch up on what's going on in the world. You know, we encourage you to do this with your group chat, guy and girlfriends. Yes. First, we need a collective clock in. <laughs> we do. We do. We have some some news. We got some updates. Yeah. Um, this feels like a very full circle moment. You've probably noticed a bit of a lull in our episode drops. And we do have an explanation. Life. Life. Living. Life. Living a life. <laughs> yeah. So both of our lives have changed so much since we headed into the studio for the first time in 2015. Can you believe it's been three years? That's crazy. The ups, the downs, the new jobs, the grad schools, yes. the, all the things. It's so crazy. much has changed. Podcasting has changed. You guys have changed. Yes. And now... It's time for job logs to change. It's time for job logs to change. We're definitely so proud of the community we've built. We've been there from like entry level to mid-management. Yes. Like grabbing the titles, the cash. Slaying. Slaying. Getting raises, promotions, all of that. Um, and, you know, as we look to the future and think ahead, we've decided to wind down the podcast, actually, and focus on the next iteration of this platform. Yes. So we're counting down the final three episodes of Jobbox in its current form. We're going to take a pause. And in that break, we want to hear from you guys. Hit us up. Let us know your career wins, your pain points, your challenges, and of course, your Ask Jobbox questions. Right. Tell us what advice, you know, you flipped, made your own. Tell us your experiences, if the podcast impacted you at all. We really want to hear what resources you wish existed um, to help you in your professional journey outside of what we've done already here. Yes. So the catalog is not going anywhere. The archive is still there. Yes. Um, In the meantime, we've got some dope, dope episodes. Yeah, we're excited. It's not it's not a goodbye. It's just like a shift. And we're really excited about the future and what it's going to bring. But thank you, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So while we're clocking from that big old clock. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I love how we casually just breezed by it. Like, hey, guys, actually, you know. Yeah, you know, end of the year, fall, winter. How are you? How are you outside of... <laughs> you know, seasons. Yes. I'm in, I'm in a different season. I think we talked about a little bit about this um, over brunch, but I'm kind of grappling with the fact that 
kind of getting comfortable in the new season that I'm in Mm -hmm. and accepting that like my career isn't as big of a priority as it has been in the past. Yeah. And like you guys know, like I graduated from grad school recently and like I'm getting married and we're flipping this house mm-hmm. and doing all these things. Casual. And j- you know, stuff. <laughs> a casual slay. And huge. just kind of have to accept, accept that like I'm putting my career in like the backseat and yeah. kind of like, you know. Like on autopilot. On autopilot. That's on autopilot. But in like not in a negative connotation right. at all. And just. I feel like ambition has been such a big part of my personal story Mm. um, that saying like, oh, it's okay for like this not to be because you can't focus on all the things. You can't give everything. Yeah. And that's such the whole hustle mentality, ambition mentality. It's such a New York thing too. You come here with your dream. Yeah. You know, you start from the ground up and you hustle your way up. And I think. I don't know if it's an age thing, but I've been feeling that way where it's like, it's not always sustainable to be going at mm-hmm. 150. You know yeah. what I mean? Like sometimes you got to taper it back a little bit. Yeah, tapering it back and then not feel like I have to compare myself yes. to what anyone else's journey is. Yeah. And like it ebbs and flows. Yeah. So, you know, run my race job. Right. Running exactly. my race. Because you're still slaying. You're still, still showing up. You're still delivering. It's I just still, maybe it's not the I first rise. thing that comes up in the conversation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got you. I got what you. What about you? What's going on over there? I'm good. You know, I've had a very like not exciting year and a half. I feel like since really? and I realized it's since I've lived on my own, since I moved out on my own. So you guys remember I got my own place last year and I was talking to a girlfriend about this this past weekend and she's on her own too. And we were just talking about like how important it is for everyone to, you know, live alone at some point Mm, in their lives if they can. There's just a lot of, I feel like, introspection that happens. Mm. And I hadn't realized when I had a roommate previously, that was like a positive, but a buffer for me to kind of come home, vent about work, talk through my emotions. Like, you know, if it's a partner or whatever, like you kind of have that. But when you're on your own, you're in your head a lot, Mm. like sometimes too much. Yeah. (laughs) And so I've had to kind of toe that line between like not getting too far down a rabbit hole of my thoughts and feelings and emotions, but also just being really appreciative of the headspace and the clarity that that solo time has brought me. Good. And also recognize when you're like getting stir crazy. You're like, okay, it's time. I need to leave. (laughs) Go outside, I need to leave. It's been three days. (laughs) But, you know, it's funny because it's, I'm most proud of in that journey as someone who always like previously thought I loved companionship all the time. Mm -hmm. Like I'm most proud of, I think the things I've learned and the ways I've grown, but also kind of the things I've curved and the stuff I haven't allowed into my space as a result of getting to know myself a little bit better. So I think that becomes very clear, you know, when you give yourself the headspace. And I encourage everyone, like even if you're in a partnership or even if you have roommates, like find those pockets of time to be with yourself because ultimately like you can be around people and still be alone if you haven't learned how to like yeah that's real yeah even like as someone i'm living with my fiance it's still really important to find space to be alone yeah because it's like i grew up an only child so i'm used to having that space and so then i find like i'm crazy i was like i'm about to go crazy (laughs) (laughs) that's funny i cannot relate to that at all i'm so listen enjoy the peace yeah. Because once you add them, it's gone. It's gone. All right. You ready to get into it? Yeah, let's do it. All right. 
Next up, rants, raves, and reviews. So this is a segment of the show where we highlight the products, the services, the tools that are improving our lives or being a detriment. Yes. I feel like we've both been on a pretty positive I think so. tip lately. I remember when we first started the show, I, I know, always had rants. <laughs> Spain um, mad. What are what are you doing today? I am doing a revised rave. Okay. I have a confession that usually I think it's I call it a job locks curse because as soon as I say something on the show, I immediately stop using it. Oh really? I immediately like stop <laughs> whatever good thing it was. It's gone. But I would I recently reconnected with mm-hmm. the previous rave. Okay. I brought up the Better Habits app mm, on a yes. previous show. Yeah. And it's just like this really simple interface that you just kind of tap when you fulfill a habit. They only let you track up to three, I think. Okay. Was in the habit, fill out the habit. Mm. But then and I recalibrated how I used it. At okay. first, I was using it for like exercise and a few other things. Mm-hmm. But instead, I use it as a way to monitor my self care. Mm. Um, so I picked three things that I know usually kind of make me feel grounded, make me feel centered, make me feel sane. Mm-hmm. And for me, those things are writing, meditation, and some form of exercise. It doesn't have to be movement. It doesn't have to be running like at first I was trying to do. Sometimes it's just <laughs> like bus. yoga. Sometimes it's just like in my living room yeah. doing a little yoga. Yeah. Um, so those are my three things. And I kind of use it now. It's not so much much pressure to like do them every day. Yeah. But it's like if I'm feeling weird, I look at the app and be like, okay, You're when's reminded, the last yeah. time I've done any of these things? Mm. So it's kind of a good way to stay on like an even keel and taking those like small steps I to like make that. sure I'm doing I like you know, that. little things. Yeah, I think sometimes with habits, we try to go the extreme. Right. You know, like try to be in the gym every day and it's like, girl, you don't ever get up at 530. It's not happening. Yeah. But I think moderation is definitely... Key, and I like what you said about identifying, like, the three, so it's not so much of a focus or pressure on one. Right. Um, I feel like mine are similar, where it's like, oh, I have to have, like, my prayer time, mm-hmm. exercise of some form, and then for me lately, like, diet have been my three things. Yeah. It's like, did you do these three things? Yeah. If not, maybe that's why... Yeah, and I can keep it really broad, too, at least for me. So, like, it says just writing. And before that, I was like, oh, I'm going to, like, write, like, you know, a piece every week. And it's like, girl, how about you just do a little journal entry? Yeah. How about you just, like, recap a little day? Yeah. Let's do that. <laughs> I like that. Better habits. Okay. Yes. All right. I, you know, have something similar, actually, okay. around habit forming or actually habit cutting cool. on your mobile and cellular devices. And that is the new screen time feature that rolled out on iOS. So if you have an iPhone, I want to say maybe like an iPad and those devices, the latest update. If you've updated to the latest version of iOS, there is a feature in settings called screen time. And I really love it. It doesn't exist for Android, but there are definitely apps like this that you can tap into for Android. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think for me, what was kind of jarring was self-awareness about how much time I was spending in certain apps. So the screen time feature will show you, like, how much time you've been spending on social media, how much time you spend on even productivity tools like email. One lazy Saturday afternoon, I checked it. It said four hours on social media. And I was like, ooh, girl. (laughs) Yeah. So I now have implemented a limit. 
especially nice. for Instagram. It's one hour for the whole day. And it's kind of crazy how difficult it is to stay within even I that hour. I have to because I use this too. And I do do my little 15 minute. Because it's like if you go over, yeah. they'll be like, I can remind you in 15 minutes. Yes, so you just yes, ignore. Me. <laughs> but I love it. I mean, and I definitely encourage, if not for setting limits, at least for auditing. Because yeah. I think a lot of times when we ask ourselves like why we're not able to get things done or where mm-hmm. the time went, I mean, this read me. I was yeah. just like, And those apps, like social media apps are set up with that infinite scroll. Like they're set yeah. up to like keep you in them. Permanently. So, <laughs> yes. So for me, I did, I think mine is like an hour and a half. Okay. I have to be careful because I'm on there for work. Yeah. But I basically did like how long am I awake? And I said 10% can't be that's how i calculated Got it because I, like I feel like you know tithing is a good measure i'm like yes. 10 percent to god i can't get more to social, to social. <laughs> i like that yeah so screen time check it out or an, an app equivalent for your device but yeah definitely got me together and curb okay, my, tighten especially up. at night time i'll yeah. be in the bed at 10 30 like i got five more minutes bye y'all See? <laughs> All right, guys. So as you know, we have been excited to bring you some heavy hitting financial advice, best practices. Last week, we had a conversation around credit. Today, we really want to dive deep into some of kind of the reasons we get into debt and some of those triggers and how we could develop healthier habits to tackle those. So we're super thrilled um, and honored to have Jaquette Timmons here with us. Welcome, Jaquette. Thank you so much. I'm really delighted to be here. Jaquette focuses on the human side of money. She works as a financial behaviorist and is committed to getting you to see that you don't manage money. You manage your choices around money. We love that. Um, She's also the author of Financial Intimacy, How to Create a Healthy Relationship with Your Money and Your Mate, and the creator of the Comfort Circle Dinner Series, where she hosts discussions about money, business, and life over food and wine. So when she's not doing all of that, she's traveling the country, doing speaking engagements and talking about the intersection of emotion and money. Perfect for our conversation today. Definitely. So yeah, last time we talked about more tactical ways that we can rework our approach to money. But today I would love to get into more of our behavior. So Jaka, I wonder if you could just share some of the common, more toxic behaviors that you see that are leading us to have these issues with debt and having trouble kind of getting a handle on it. Sure, 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 sure. But if you don't mind, I just want to uh, take a step back and just put out there that I think it really is important that as we're having this conversation, that we make sure to do it in light of or in the context of recognizing that there is a cultural conversation with regards to debt where it says that some people that have it, that look a particular way, if they have it, are irresponsible Mm -hmm. with their money. And other people that look a different kind of way (laughs) when they have debt, that they're not irresponsible. And the current example of that playing out right now in our politics is just how Stacey Abrams, who is running for governor of Atlanta, is being vilified for having student loan debt. I remember that. And there are other politicians who um, not only have debt, have gone bankrupt or declared Mm -hmm. bankruptcy more than once. And for whatever reason, that is just seemed, you know, viewed as being really savvy. So, yeah, that's so true. Yes, there are things that people do that are toxic. 
But I think it's also we have to make sure that we're not adding to the conversation of putting a red scarlet letter on people that have that. Mm. Definitely. You know, it's true because I've been researching real estate and getting involved with my first property. And it's so interesting to see people in the real estate field like that's an area where debt is a big part of it so you meet people who have tens of thousands of dollars of debt and it's just viewed as oh they're about their business yeah Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. totally Totally, so that's helpful so just sort of reframing this whole conversation that's not about whether or not whether debt is good or bad right it's just about when we have sort of negative debt or don't feel in control of our debt how to kind of reposition that. So thank you for, for right. setting that groundwork for us. Yeah, no worries, no worries. But to answer your, your question with regards to uh, the toxic behaviors, I do think that some of it is tied to intention. So while I don't think that everybody that goes into debt, you know, starts off with this idea of, I'm going to go into debt and I'm not going to pay it off. Like, I think that they really do believe whether they have a plan in on paper or whether it's a plan just that's in their head, they really do believe that they're going to be able to pay it off and they're going to be able to pay it off in a particular time frame. And then something happens. Maybe they lose a job or maybe they don't get the raise or the promotion or the bonus, or if they have their own business, business slows down or they lose a key client and that just thwarts that, that plan. But when it comes to the toxic aspect of it, it's really a matter of when you were buying something and when you were going into debt, what is it that fundamentally that thing is feeding? Is it feeding a sense of value? Is it feeding a sense of belonging? Is it feeding a sense of uh, feeling loved? Like you really have to tap into what is the what behind the what really mm. <laughs> of what it is you are buying and going into debt for to really understand what that motivation is behind it. And when, once you wrap your head around that and become a little bit more conscious around your your reasons for doing the things that you're doing, the reasons for perhaps adding on to the debt that you've already accumulated, that will help you to really identify what is your toxic behavior because it's different for everyone. What are, I mean, knowing this is really subjective and varies by person, but what are some of those motivations and reasons or common ones you've seen that haven't served folks that you've worked with or kind of come across? So if we, t- if we think about the fact, and this is really a big part of my posturing in terms of when it comes to my body of work, money is really a reflection of your relationship and not just your relationship with money, but your relationship with everything in your life and around your life. And so if we think of everybody having a money story and the fact that every story has, you know, the character and then the protagonist and the plot is how do they all you know, interact with one another around a particular environment. And when we're talking about money, money happens to be that environment. And so what are you not getting from your other key relationships that you are replacing with what money is enabling you to do? So it's never, number one, just about the money. It's, it's what you are using that money for. So again, as I mentioned previously, are you buying this thing because it's giving you a sense of purpose? It's giving you a sense of value. It's making you feel loved and appreciated. Or are you tying your self-worth to whatever it is because you're not getting any of that? You're not getting that fed through other relationships or other endeavors in your life. Does that answer your question? 
Yes, and it also reads me thoroughly. <laughs> so thank you for getting us together. Um, lots of food for thought there for myself. For sure. But, you know, to that end, like, how do you talked about relationships a bit? So, how does that toxicity that comes kind of out of those financial issues impact our relationships? First of all, I think the thing that what's really great about the conversation that we're having is that it's inviting people to just move beyond the dollars and cents, right? Because if we think about it, the math of money is never going to change. Two plus two will always equal four. And if for some odd reason that changes, we need to talk. (laughs) But the math is always going to be what it is. And so what we're looking at is parallels in terms of thinking about, again, where are you not getting fed? Why are you not getting fed? And where are you using money? And it's so interesting, too, in our last episode, it was brought up to that, oh, once you get a plan for how to handle your debt, don't let it stress you, like just set it and kind of forget it. And it was so hard for me to wrap my mind around not letting debt stress me out because it's so ingrained in us, like how we're supposed to view it. And like it's it's a constant problem. So even the idea of releasing it and having a different relationship required like such mental effort for me. So it's really interesting to kind of look at money as a different type of relationship in our lives. Yeah. So I wonder what's the healthy relationship look like? How, how am I supposed to be relating to money? <laughs> so one of the things, again, that I think is really helpful about this is that it's, it's inviting people to not just have a transactional relationship with their money, to not just think about it when they're either feeling stressed about debt or when there's a you know key transaction or decision that needs to be had, that they look at it and nurture it in the same way that you would do with any other relationship that is of importance to you. And as I'm saying this, I am thinking of a client who their pattern that they are looking to interrupt is they acquire debt, they pay it off, they get back into it. Acquire Mm. debt, pay it off, they get right back into it. And what they recognize is they're making now more money than they've ever had, almost a quarter of a million dollars, and it still hasn't interrupted the pattern. Mm. So part of our work is trying to figure out some of the things that I've mentioned before, because clearly making more money isn't helping to resolve the issue of the acquisition of it. So in terms of what does a healthy relationship with debt look, looks like, it looks like, A, you're paying attention to it. Is it uh, decreasing over time? Are you both paying off your debt and saving? Because I don't subscribe to the notion that you pause all savings, whether it's short-term savings or long-term savings. I don't subscribe to the notion that you pause all of that until you are debt-free. Because I think that Again, tapping into how we respond to things emotionally and psychically, you need to see something growing at the same time that you see your debt going down. Because just think Mm. about it just energetically in terms of your body. When you're only focused on paying down debt, your shoulders are a little bit hunched over, you're a little bit more lethargic. But then when you're also pairing that with, oh, but I'm also saving, even if it's a small amount, you just have a little bit more bounce to your steps. So the healthy part of it is making sure that you're saving as well as you're paying off debt. The other healthy part is making sure that you're paying attention 
So is that number going down by a significant number over over time? Are you making sure that as you're looking at your statements on a monthly basis, that you're not adding more to it? Mm. <laughs> um, and if you are adding more to it, are you adding more to it by buying things that bring you joy? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. I know this is not a tactical conversation, but one of the tasks that I ask people to do is an exercise that I call roll call. And what I ask them to do is to go through both their banking and credit card statements. And for every line item, somehow or another, whether you highlight it or whether you, you know, annotate it with a, a letter, make a note of those purchases that made you happy. Make a note of those purchases that were mandatory and then also make a note of those purchases that yeah. made you happy when you initially purchased them, but now that you later regret. And when you add those all up and you see how many H's you have, how many mm. M's you have, how many R's you have, and especially on your credit card, if you're not paying it off in full each month, how, you have a lot of R's on your credit card. That's a real big signal that you're using that credit card for something other than just purchasing those items. And so that's a way of combining a, a tactical exercise with also a, a self-inquiry exercise and getting curious about why do you do what you do without judgment. Ooh, that is <laughs> I'm just like processing because that's, you know, I think it's it's interesting because I think that's a common thread we've heard from everyone about saving and building that up in addition to the debt. So that's definitely kind of a new way of thinking for me. But I guess like even if we, you know, do these exercises and are kind of faced with the information, I guess I'm wondering how you start to pull yourself out of those behaviors or really be realistic about noticing trends that maybe should require, you know, a second look or for you to actually make some change. Because I think a lot of us are paralyzed sometimes by our finances where it feels too large to kind of like overcome or turn around or we don't, you know, we might be doing things like paying the minimum, but do we really believe that we'll ever, you know, get out of debt with our credit card? Like, I wonder your experiences with those types of things, because I think I know thinking about my personal finance journey, a lot of times it does feel very far away, it feels distant or insurmountable. So how do you kind of motivate folks to think about that and maybe take another approach? Well, you you, you touched upon a couple of things. Um, and one is, Having somewhat of a uh, realistic expectation when it comes to your debt. And I think part of that is, you know, first kind of profiling the debt is the debt all credit card and lifestyle debt? Is the debt a combination of that and student loan or maybe a mortgage? And what I find, because a lot of my coaching clients happen to be either, you know, business school graduates or uh, law school graduates or MDs. They have a lot of freaking debt. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, some of them have this 
really unrealistic expectation that they're going to be able to pay $250,000 of debt off in a short amount of time. And, you know, depending upon the industry in which you're working, perhaps that's possible. But for the good majority of them, it's not. So a lot of it has to do with, are you setting yourself up to have expectations that are in alignment with the a the type of debt that you have and the time frame that's realistic given the resources that you have coming in. But what mm. that also then leads to is really figuring out when it comes to your debt, do you have a spending problem, an earnings problem, or a combination? Hmm. Because that also is going to help to fine-tune your approach to how you get out of your debt and it will also help to identify what are some of the things that you are unconsciously doing? Because that's the key, right? Mo- most of us, not entirely through our own fault, but at the end of the day, most of us interact with our, with our money in a really unconscious way. Mm-hmm. You know, Duke University did a study about habits and, and what they concluded from that study is that 40% of what you and I do day to day, we are completely unconscious of. We do it because we're just on route. And mm-hmm. so if we think about that in terms of money, how many of your beliefs about money are completely unwrote and, and you have not questioned them? How much of your behavior, how much of your expectations? What about even the shame that you might have around your debt or the guilt that you might have? How much of that is truly, truly yours versus what you have just kind of internalized from other messages? So this gets a little bit deeper than just saying do A, B, C, and D, and then you'll be done. Right. It's not that easy. It's simple. It's just not that easy. Yeah, I love taking that holistic approach because to your point, I know so many friends who are making so much more mo- much more money than they've ever had or more than their parents had. And they still live the same way when they were struggling. And I think a lot of that is inherited. You kind of just continue mm-hmm. to your point about having that routine. So once we kind of interrogate that view of money and we have a plan to kind of get back on track, what's the more, I guess, holistic approach to just kind of preserving a positive mental mindset around money and just making sure that we're not relapsing into a negative mindset? I think staying engaged with it. You know, Mm. if you think about even just your closest relationships, whether it's with family members or it is with friends, it typically tends to be those relationships that you are purposefully staying connected, whether that's face-to-face, whether that's through you know, frequent phone calls. And I know that sounds crazy as all get out, but the way that you, you know, transfer that same sort of diligence about, about staying engaged and, and connected with your money is by spending the time, whether it's weekly or monthly, to check in with yourself. And part of the problem is that we have this tendency to put money on the back burner and you'll deal with it, you know, at the end of the quarter, if that, mm-hmm. or, you know, when you're putting together your taxes for the end of the year. So I think having a system, having a routine for what's the frequency that you're going to check in with yourself, you're going to review your statements, you're going to review whatever tool that you were using to track your money having a system for doing that is how you stay engaged. And it, and it, to me, it's no different than if you make sure to ask a loved one with some frequency, how you doing? It's no different. Yeah. I literally just pulled up my mint profile. So thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> 
And what I would say is, you know, whatever tool you happen to be using, if it doesn't enable you to, to also track your cash, make mm. sure that you are in some way capturing that data as well. Because I'm sure all of us, uh, under the sound of our voices, have had those moments where you've gone to the ATM machine on Sunday, you took out $100, it's Tuesday morning, and you've got 20 mm-hmm. and you have no idea where that $80 went. Yeah. So make sure you're also tracking your cash because most of the tools that are out there really just track your debit card and credit card purchases. Well, Jaquette, this was phenomenal. It's reinforced a lot of the themes that we've heard in our different financial literacy conversations, but also just kind of taking a real hard look at why, you know, we spend the way we spend and maybe what some of those patterns there are, good or bad, or just not serving us. So would love to hear from you, you know, where our listeners can continue to connect with you, with your content, and continue to get resources just to help them in their own emotional and personal financial journeys. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that. Um, They can find me on my website, which is jacquettesimmons.com. And there they can actually do a free exercise called the financial wheel and how that's connected to this conversation around debt is that your money is always in service to whatever the vision is that you have for your life. And so the financial wheel either helps you to reconnect with that or to create that financial vision. And when you're thinking about your debt, one way of looking at it is, in what way is this preempting me for from really fulfilling my financial vision. And that oftentimes will help propel you and give you more momentum than sometimes you might have in any given moment when it comes to uh, your debt. So my site is one way to stay connected. Doing the financial wheel is something that I think a lot of people will find beneficial. And then I'm very active on Twitter and Instagram. So if you just put my name in the search bar, Jacquette Simmons, you'll find me and would love to uh, continue in the conversation. Awesome. You guys definitely tweet us, tweet Jacquette, let us know how this episode has resonated with you and what steps you're taking to healthier relationships with your money and your finances. Thanks so much, Jacquette. (laughs) Thank you both. Now it's time for Ask Joblogs. This is the segment of the show where we address your listener questions, conundrums. Um, You guys pick our brains sometimes. And you can hit us up as always at joblogs.com slash askjoblogs with your question. Yeah, so today's question is from Anonymous. Hey, ladies, love your podcast. I've been working in public relations for seven years. I recently moved to a new PR agency in a supervisory role, but I have several directors above me for various clients. I was told that I would have two directors during the interview process, but that became six once I started (laughs) the position. Good old bait and switch. In my time here, my experience has been that many employees don't appear to have a clue what they're doing, whether they're junior staff or directors. That includes PR 101, like building a media list, to more uh, managerial tasks like creating a budget. While I appreciate people valuing my opinions, I don't want to be the only opinion in the room. I have only been at the agency for two months, but I still receive requests for interviews for other job opportunities. Aside from what I mentioned, I feel like there are too many changes to make to make this a desirable place to work. The PR world is somewhat small because people gossip. Is there a way to leave strategically without burning bridges in the industry? Important to note, I have longevity at previous positions. I was at my last job for four years. So is there a way to leave strategically without burning bridges? Yeah. 
I mean, without burning bridges, probably no. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, I mean, there's always a way to leave strategically She's if in it's two dire. That's two, not even 90 days, girl. Well, you're not going to leave in two months. That's I mean, true. what you, you do is you set up the plan yeah. two months in for that six-month exit. I don't know. I'm just looking like she's been working. It's a supervisory role. You've been working seven years, which denotes that you're a little more senior in your career. Mm-hmm. So I do think sometimes, I think sometimes our perspective with environments that aren't great can shift hmm. where... I think at that level in your career, you know, instead of looking for the the answers from others, you kind of have to bring the solution. Mm. So, like, can you be the person to pioneer some change? Can you be the person to bring some process? You know, can you be the person to lead by example and, like, train these yeah. people on how to do this That's stuff? real. Like, are you looking at it like, oh, I'm the only one with an opinion or am I the one who's, like, isn't an advantage, really. Like, yeah, exactly. am I about to, like, make this place my space? Right. Like, and put that on my resume. Hello. <laughs> like, and move on accordingly and be like, you know what? I really turned that around. Like, yeah. when I got there, they had no process. People weren't trained. They didn't know what they were doing. And here, boom, boom, boom. This is what I brought. I mean, I'm always an advocate of leaving if it's, like, toxic for your headspace. Right. Your wellness is suffering. But I do. I mean, I think those are questions we have to ask ourselves. Is like, yeah. Is there a lesson maybe you're missing because, you know, the complaint list two months in is already right. sky high? Yeah. So I would say, like, as you're making this exit strategy, maybe it's like instead of like, OK, how can I get a job to get out of here quick, quick? Because you don't know what you're jumping into in mm-hmm. this next place either. Maybe it's like, OK, how can I get a win here that I can take with me to the yes. next thing? Oh, I like that. So I think definitely a balance of both. I would say two months in, really give it a good college try and focus that energy Mm -hmm. on making it work in that environment. And then outside, because I think the the dangerous thing about when you're focused on an exit is you're not really present and bringing your all. And I think that's a disadvantage to yourself two months in. So I would give it a good shot for at least a solid four months and then start focusing on that like six month marker exit strategy. Yeah, yeah. Good luck. (laughs) I mean, this comes with, listen, girl, you moving up the ladder. Yes. And moving forward also, like, that's, I mean, there's no way to ever know because bait and switch, like you said. Mm-hmm. But moving forward, I think it just helps that lens of how you interview, how you interview that's the teams true. that that's are true. interviewing you what for What were the jobs. red flags? Yeah. Look at that, too. Good luck. Good luck. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. And a special thanks to our guest, Jaquette M. Timmons. Yes, really phenomenal conversation. We hope that you got as much out of it as we did. Many thanks, of course, to our sponsor as well, One United Bank, America's largest Black-owned bank. And if you enjoyed this episode and are looking for more resources to encourage you on your financial journey, head over to OneUnited.com. Be sure to follow them around the web at One United on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And of course, we want to hear from you. So connect with us around the web. We're at Joblogs and Joblogs.com. I'm Hamas Parker. And I'm at Cleave Out Loud. See ya. See you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.